Hello, fellow Reds, non-Reds, and that woman, Sharon, who thought she'd give it a go because she couldn't find a Joe Wick podcast. It's episode eight of Forever Forest podcast, and how things have changed, eh? Bill comes out in a moment. First off, introductions. I'm your host, Freebs, former runner-up in the Michael Jackson dancing competition 1989, where I shook my bad stuff to the way you make me feel in a roller rink in Peterborough and won a VHS of Moonwalker all true uh joining me this week is a chap who recently flew across the atlantic from new york city to see the reds of nottingham play uh when he booked the trip we were i think rock bottom with a brontosaurus in charge but since he stepped back on this green and pleasant land we find ourselves up to 17th and with winds and style and panache it's the walking miracle it is mr dan white hi dan you're very welcome everybody for those four points so good, man. And even like as you were leaving, it caused more, which we will, of course, come to. Um, and last but no means least, a lady. Uh, that should just be it. A lady. Um, a lady who, when she's not making up dance routines to I think we're alone now, um, likes nothing more than to sup down a few pints at the trip, all the time making sure she doesn't so much as breathe near that fucking dusty haunted ship in case it means Chris Hewton comes back. It's Lisa Fox. Hello. How are we doing? All right. You see, uh, so this week somebody knew about the dusty ship. Yes, I did. Uh, first time for everything because I think I've only ever been in the trip once in my life. Dan, I don't know if you got to listen to the part. I know Simon Mayo does a thing that when someone replaces him, he goes, "No, I don't listen to them because they might be better than me, and I'm not interested." Uh, if you listened to the pod last week, do you know of the dusty ship in the trip in Nottingham? I know of the ship. I don't know about the ship. There you go. Well, uh, listen to podcast uh, seven or 417 or whatever the, the continuum number is, uh, and you'll find out more. So since we last podded, I still don't know if that's really a word, uh, Forrest have gone on to win twice, uh, both away and scored an incredible six goals. My God, Dan, how did you do it? Yeah, that is your first question. How did I do it? Yeah. How did you, what did you bring with you on your, uh, did you bring Twinkies or what, what, what caused this? Absolute positivity, you know me, always, always, always on the uh, optimistic trail. No, it's, um, I think it's obvious what caused it, right? Um, without getting into the X's and O's, as they say. Oh, um, bit of defence. A bit of defence, indeed, or offence, as the case may be this time. Who is your NFL team? Um, I don't have one. I don't have one because every time I follow someone, they, they're catastrophic. So I've, Whoa. you know, I've decided Whoa. to annoy, the avoid there, the heartbreak. The problem there seems to be every time I follow someone, as in you change that team. Are you doing the thing you've always wanted to do with Forest but couldn't do? So you do that with American football teams. That's exactly what I'm doing. Yeah. And um, it still hasn't worked. So just, you might as well just stick with it, to be honest. Well, mine's quite interesting. I, my uncle uh, was uh, working in Washington for years um, in the World Bank, so even for, from the UK in America. So my American cousins and oh, yada, yada, yada. Went to see them in 95 and went to see the, the Washington Redskins as they were. <clears throat> and they uh, sent me a nice T-shirt when they beat the Broncos. And I've saved this T-shirt all these years uh, for a child, if I had one. And now she uh, can have it, but now they're not allowed to be called the Washington Redskins anymore. So I basically saved something which is now seen as racist for my daughter for 30 years. Uh, interesting, but true story again. Uh, Lisa, so let's start off discussing Barnsley away, uh, which was midweek. Um, I'm also awesome. undecided uh, because we do the uh, you know the logo for this game usually off the Saturday game, but we were we we're in the uh, obviously the the high viz on Wednesday, but I think I'll do it for the red anyway. That's a bit of an internal uh, issue. No, got to go with the bum bongo, surely. Oh, uh, you got to go with the one on the Saturday. I think I was just think uh, even though it's a game. Anyway, I'm confused by my own. So I'm becoming like <laughs> Scott Bakula. 
in uh, Quantum Leap. That's another Twitter thing I saw this week. We should do these things. Somebody asking for things to watch, and somebody said Quantum Leap, and somebody went, never heard of it. And I went, what? Um, and then uh, anyway, you're just showing uh, your age, uh, mate. I mentioned, did you did you actually used to dance to? I think we're alone now. By the way, was that a good shout by me? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Big big hair perms. <laughs> no, I was never into the perms. I, I probably had the Tiffany hairstyle, to be honest. Well, at least you weren't pretending to be Michael Jackson in a Peterborough roller rink. That's um, very true. I'm trying to get back to my script. It's my fault because I deviated away. So we discussed Barnsley away first, which was midweek. Forest don't go there and win hardly ever, but they bloody did this time. Thoughts on Forest away at Barnsley, Lisa Fox? We only went and got three points and scored three goals. Um, and, you know, we went 1-0 down and came from behind. I mean, that's not a Forest thing to do, is it? Sounds like a Saturday in Skegness. Sorry, <laughs> Sorry about that. So bad. So bad. Well, you know what? It's funny because we've we just done the radio and on the on the on there they were saying about, oh, you know, not trying to be the, the harbinger of doom, but it's only Huddersfield, only um Barnsley and only Birmingham. But I think Huddersfield won a hell of a run when we beat them. Barnsley were absolutely dog egg when we went there with Sabri trying to get in the playoffs and we lost. Um, so wins are wins, aren't they? Yeah, wins are definitely wins. And we spoke on the pod probably three, four weeks ago and said we couldn't see where our next points were coming from. Um, and the fact is that in the last week, we've picked up seven, which you really wouldn't have expected, um, especially the fact that we were going to Barnsley and um, we play so shit usually against them. Well, hold on. You said you didn't see where the points were coming from. I thought we were saying we didn't see the points anymore. <laughs> Forest. Yeah, we were ne- We were going to sit on one point and that was the, the point that we got at Derby. Um, oh, so, that is quite there is a beautiful if you're a believer in you know romance literature and things that could could be and are Forrest's only point on the human game at Derby, which I think is actually stunning. The fact that they would be even further out of their dog crap that they're in if it wasn't for Chris Hewton's wonderful display there. Um so yeah, we've discussed that, which is obviously wonderful. I you know it just seems such a long way away from when we were talking with Steve. Um Corey was on saying. I just don't know what to say anymore. I don't know, you know, and we'll come to this because it's not just about wins and being spoiled brats. It's about... What a, what a difference a fortnight makes. That's all I can say. Oh, well, I hope you've got more to say than that because we've got another 40 minutes to go. Uh, Dan, you were there um, playing when we played the Dingles, which uh, again, that's probably something in 30 years. My daughter will look back and say, Dad said Dingles on a podcast. What a horrible man. Um, after Millwall, as obviously, there was a few people, I got the vibe, but we were a bit meh after Millwall and I'm not really trying to harp back onto Millwall with you because it's that was last week um, because I think because we didn't go and win 6-0 under our new manager in the first game at home how did you feel because I think there was a kind of a feeling in me when we went a goal down at Barnsley and my housemate had come back and was watching the telly and I went if we get a goal we'll batter these if we get a goal we'll win this and I saw some people giving a bit of kick back on Twitter going, oh, who thought Forrest were that good in the first half? I just thought we were better than them. It sounds like Cloughy done it. I want to do it better than you, Don. But I just thought we were better than them. And I thought if an equaliser came, we could turn these. But I'd not seen much of that from Forrest this year. So how did you feel when you saw Figs go or gridiron and pull the man down and the goal? Did you did you see enough around it that you thought the win could come if we got one back? I know it sounds like an obvious question in a sense. Um, I, I could lie, but honestly, I turned to... Um the Laura who was sat next to me at the game or stood next to me at the game at halftime and said, I have no idea how we're getting back into this. And it wasn't necessarily because we weren't playing well. I think there was just um, old habits die hard, right? We didn't have a recognised striker as such. And it just felt like maybe it would be one of those days where you might play well and not get back into it and go, oh, well, we lost 1-0, but at least there were signs there. So I, I was kind of resigned to that in a way. But 
I, I think the difficulty is with that, that's all well and good having a game like that when you're mid-table and you've won a few and lost a few, when you've only got two points from, or well, I suppose Huddersfield as well, but five points from however many games it was at that point, you kind of need to see more than that. Um, so I, w- I was pleasantly surprised and I'll hold my hands up and say I wasn't expecting that second half to be such a turnaround. I said that, saying that, um, I'm not sure it was literally a game of two halves. I think it was a game of before substitutions and after substitutions. So I don't think we still showed as much in the early second half, but clearly um, the changes made had an impact. Or maybe we just wore them down and, you know, playing that well way for long enough. If you're patient and the crowd are patient, you eventually get what you deserve. Yeah, we're, we're definitely going to cross that. We're gonna, I'm going to later on in this, just so you know for your answers, guys, we're going to sort of go through the different areas of Forest in a sense of the of the pitch and see where we think that might have changed. And also we'll talk about uh, Super Cooper, as it were. At least a bit more of a, an emotional one in a sense here. We, we I think we sort of did look a lot more the part second half. And, you know, I know we are still early days. It's not like we're talking after 35 games and all that. Um, did you allow yourself to get a little bit excited after that result? Or did you think, okay, we'll give it, Let's see how we are in the next one. Because we, you know, football fans can either be, I'm I'm saving it, Dan, because I'm going to say it later on, promotion juice. Or they can be game at a time. We can do both cliches in a sense. But did, how did you feel that evening as you uh, went to bed drunk? I wasn't drunk. Uh, I also wasn't at the game. I uh, had a, a concert that was rearranged from a few months ago that um, saw me oh. not at the game. However, Who did you uh, see, Lisa? I... <clears throat> Who? Tiffany? McFly. McFly. Oh, McFly. Well, it's always all about you, isn't it, Lisa? It's all about you. All about you. And to be honest, um, you know, we, the, the person I went with um, is a big Forest fan as well. So there was a time where we were multitasking and we had Forest on our, our phones <laughs> listening to the music. Um, so we, we were watching the goals and um, it was like, oh, wow, we've got ourselves back into it. You know, going one nil down, standard you kind of expected it a little bit, like exactly like Dan said. Um, and when we got ourselves back into it, it was like, mm, I think there's only going to be one winner, winner in this game because you could kind of see, and from what was going on on social media as well, that Forrest were grinding them down. Um, and I, I do agree with Dan that the substitutions did make a massive difference. Um, and I think we've got our Lewis back. Oh, I'm gonna, I've got such a good bit coming up about grabbing it a bit. Do you know, I, I mentioned that a few weeks ago when I was uh, went to that Forest game and I wasn't really very well and trying to put together all that thing of moments, like watching Forest finally get a result of Barnsley whilst McFly sing for you is like, that's up there, man. That's up there. Like Can't my, beat it. Can't dad, beat my dad, it. It was my dad's 60th. We're wandering around the British Museum, did we go to? Uh, no, the Natural History Museum. We've gone down to that London and walking around with him and his partner and, and my partner and then Forrest were playing Derby. And it's that game where we went a goal behind really early. So it's about three years ago. Was it Vidra scored uh, at their place? And I remember I was looking at a pterodactyl or something. I just thought, I'm not watching Forrest. I switched it off. And it's, I just thought, I'm going to take in my dad's 60th and look at this pterodactyl or Plessisaur, whatever it was. I thought, I don't need Forrest today. But I love, maybe that's one for uh, anyone listening to the pod to send us in your messages of the places you've watched Forrest with randomness going on around you. Have you ever been at a funeral and seen Ben Olsen uh, nip in from the wing and spice one in? I don't think that's a phrase. Uh, But yeah, whatever it might be, the most random places you've seen Forrest surrounded by uh, things. Mine, another one is Brighton with a broken leg watching us lose to Accrington in the cup and just getting the piss taken out of me by Brighton fans going, oh, you're not doing very well it's like i know uh done it was a hell of a show uh in the end barnsley second half maybe 
Uh, before we move on from it, how was it for you on a personal level, being in a way end, watching your side turn up and rearrange the opposition like that? It was fantastic. Um, I, I love Barnsley, not, not not the club in and of itself, the soul of the club, but um, it's proper football ground as well. Not like in the proper football ground like Luton when you can't see and, you know, there aren't any seats, but a, a proper traditional ground. Um, you know, the away end's great, a big, good acoustics. Um, I got a load of photos outside of the old turnstiles and the floodlights and the burger vans and just like having a local population around the stadium. So as a, as a spectacle and event, it was it was good fun. I, I think if you're going every week, uh, you know, obviously I'm hugely jealous, but on the other hand, um, when you don't do it for a while and then you do, it, it, it makes you remember what you miss, you know, or to a degree, regardless of the result, you know, I wouldn't want to go and get smashed there, but um, you know, if it had been a draw or whatever, it still would have been a, a, a good evening, good evening out in terms of second half, just fantastic. Right. I think there's, um, I can probably count on one hand or two hands, the amount of games over the last 25 years I've been to where, you get to a point in the game and there's still half an hour left. And even if you're only winning by one or even drawing, you know what's happening. And because everyone knows what's going to happen and it just happens, it's almost self-fulfilling. The crowd backs the team, backs the crowd, backs the team. The home fans are dejected um, and it just turns. And it's kind of like this formula or this magic trick that no one's really worked out how you do it. But when it happens, it's, it's just phenomenal as a, as a half hour of entertainment and kind of everyone collectively behind the same thing. So it, it was one of those for me, I think, Barnsley, um, from what I've heard, similar at Birmingham and Huddersfield as well. But um, the more the more we get, the merrier, I guess. Do you, when your trip, your family's still back at, in New York? Yeah, my my direct family. Yeah, I went over to see Kyle. Oh, I see. And stuff like that, yeah. I wonder if the future is going to be uh, this kind of legend in the family of, remember that time dad went to Barnsley? <laughs> he came back well, a I changed think, man. <laughs> I think I'm, um, I think, and I, I've gone on about this enough on Twitter, people are probably bored of hearing it, but I think I've got to 10 games since, um, and that it doesn't sound many, but 10 games since Mark Warburton left. Right. Um, and I'm eight wins, two draws and no defeats at this point. That's mad. That's a great um, so my personal experience at Forest is just fantastic. And I haven't seen us lose since 2016. I don't think it Wolves Wolves at home when Worrell came out afterwards and slated the rest of the team. I think that was the last time I saw us lose, which speaks more to how many games I get to than anything else. But it it provides for good memories. Yeah, my ex-wife's currently still on two and zero. She uh, home to Cardiff and home to Bristol City, two wins. So obviously I don't go with her that much these days uh, after the court case and that. But, um, you know, it's uh, she's on she's on 100% as well. Love you, darling. Um, so did she, that, give, did she give that reason for getting out? She's like, I can't, I can't go on because if I lose this winning oh, streak, that's God. it. Was that it? If only I could tell you the official reason on here, I'll tell you. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, that's what she did. She just could not stand the way that Robert Earnshaw was going to leave and all that kind of stuff. Um, what was going to, yeah, do you know what? I'm kind of got like that because most of my life, apart from maybe four seasons, I've not been a season ticket holder. So mine has been sporadic games. And, you know, from Skeg, it was quite a few we got to go to because it's not miles away and quite lucky how many, you know, mum and dad used to take us. But, you do get that feeling of going, I'm oh, going to get actually go and see Forest. And a lot of you who are lucky enough to be from Nottingham and live in Nottingham probably don't realize it, but it's actually a real special thing. Um, and it's so I know exactly where you're coming from, Dan, when you're saying about that, that feeling of going, Oh, we're going to that game, and then it's like we lost four nil. It's like, oh, okay, I'll see you in three months or whatever, especially for you being further away. Um, Lisa, um, before we move on to the next bit, um, I hope you don't mind, but I'm gonna hand over to Dan. 
because um, there's been quite a lot of mail, Dan, about this, um, mainly from people with the same surname as you. Um, but Dan has got his little section here, which saves Lisa from the quiz this week. Um, and it's called Guess the Gary Baldy. So I'll cue the music now. And Dan, if you'd like to just briefly explain uh, the premise and uh, give us clue one, off you go. All right, it's Guess the Garibaldi. I'm going to give four clues over the, the remainder of the pod. And uh, you need to just guess who the player is that I'm uh, referring to. So we're going to start with clue number one. Um, Forrest signed this player from Hull City. And at Hull City, he scored two goals in 135 games. Hold on. So he scored two in that many games for Hull, who we and signed. And then we signed him. Yeah. Hmm. I don't think that sounds... Well, it sounds like a forest striker. I was going to say it doesn't sound like a striker. <laughs> scored two in 150. Sign him up! Was he known as the assassin? Or the... No, what was that guy called? What was the nickname? Was it the terrorist or something? It's not him. I know it's not him. Um, I can't remember. I can't... I can't... I don't think he had a nickname. Not that I'm aware of. But anyway, hey, he, we signed him from that? Hull. We what? signed him from Hull and he was, um, yeah, he scored two in 135 for them and then we decided to sign him. And it was a he. Mm. <laughs> it was a he, yeah. Sorry, I gave that away. There's that narrowed it down for you. Yeah, maybe on the maybe by the second clue, can you try and give us a nickname you would give for him? I don't I think it's too much on the first one, but if you can try and think of a nickname before the second question, that'd be great. Lisa, you got any idea? No, it's, uh, for those of you who can't see through space and time, Lisa's shaking her head. Um, so while we're saying your name, Lisa, uh, th- sorry, Dan, first of all, thank you. I always appreciate these. Uh, since you told me about that first one, uh, when I was on that walk that time, you said, I've got this idea. I- I've-, I've loved this. And it also means I don't have to do a quiz. Um, so Lisa, next up, we traveled to Birmingham, um, where once I spoke to a tramp, uh, who said he had a dog and I asked him what his dog was called. And he said, Jasper. And cause I was a bit drunk, I asked him what he fed the dog and he went, Rolo yogurts and twigs which to this day has always stayed with me. Um, it's the twigs that got me and the Rolo yogurts. But anyway, so every time I think of Birmingham, I think of Jasper the dog eating twigs and Rolo yogurts. He didn't play for Birmingham on the weekend, uh, but he might as well have done the way we uh, we did them. Uh, they're not a sign electric form, but a game even three weeks ago, I think we'd have lost. Um, but we stuffed them 3-0. Let's be fair, Lisa, there was a spot of luck riding going on and some scary moments from crosses, etc. But Forrest weathered it and then ripped them apart. Do you make your own look in this game? Um, it's about keeping clean sheets and putting your chances away. And that's what Forrest did on Saturday. Um, you know, and having watched Lewis's goal, um, and I, I was cursing myself because I always have two bets every week. And the first bet is Lewis grabbing the first goal. And the second bet is Ryan Yates anytime. I didn't put either of them on on Saturday. And as Dan pointed out, maybe I'm the curse. <laughs> Um, because because they went out and I mean everyone was probably you know shouting at Lewis to pass the ball because he got players over both left and right of him Um, and he just hit that with such finesse um, that you know when it hit the back of the net it just went yeah that was quite good Um, and then you move on to Ryan Yates and his very ungainly header where he he, all he was going to do was face plant plant the floor Um, but it went in and um, I was really chuffed for him you know at the end of the day he does come in for some flack and he he got the goal. So that kind of, the Twitter haters can't really moan about that. And he he did really, I, I just think on Saturday was one of those games where all over the pitch, it just clicked. And you couldn't say he was man of the match or he was man of the match because every single player put a bloody good shift in. Um, from Greece at the back um, with his 
late save where he dived down to his his left and palmed it away um, to our subs, even down to the substitutions, you know, the choice of the subs um, coming on, Mighton for Johnson, like for like, made makes such a massive difference. And it's so nice to see that our mix of the, the old guard of the players of like the likes of, I'm going to include Warrell in it because he's obviously been in and around the club for, for donkeys um, and Graben and Lolly who are established and, they're getting the mojo back. Um, and then you throw in the Johnsons and the Mightons who are having their first full proper season, really, with the first team. Um, and it gelled. And I'm, I'm loving it. Yeah, I'm, I must admit that the, the view of uh, Worrell playing the Bombongos uh, the other night will stay with me for a long time. And, you know, it's, I think we'll come to say later on about players who... I didn't think Martin and Johnson started this season that well at all. I know somebody said to me, oh, but Coventry, Johnson, yeah, but otherwise I think he's been missing. The last few games, I just think he's looked every bit of, I believe, the the hype in a sense, you know. Um, we're going to come to that a bit more in a minute. Um, Dan, what shone for me was kind of like how Cooper has made changes as well, which is actually something Lisa's just said. And I promise you, this has not been set up this way. The guys have just sort of nailed into where we're going next. Um, we haven't seen so much of the like for like as obviously when we've needed to. Um, we're actually going at teams. And I, I think when we're 3 0 up against Birmingham, I don't know if it was you who tweeted it or so. And I was thinking it myself, we're still trying to get six here. It's almost like thrashing them wasn't quite enough. Um, how do you assess? kind of what you've seen since you know last few games and how Forrest have looked as a team under Steve Cooper including what I was just talking about regarding the uh, the subs etc yeah well, I think it, it helps when you start well right because I, when we get on the back of Hewton or anyone else before who hasn't made what we're classed to be the right substitutions at the right time it's because things haven't been going well and we've been wanting them to make changes to improve things. I think bar maybe Barnsley, but again, as you say, we did pretty well first half there anyway, bar the scoreline. We haven't been like asking or wanting Steve Cooper to make substitutions to necessarily change a game around that we've not been happy with. It's been to keep the momentum. And I think that maybe it sits better with the players as well in that sense. So, um, but, I, but I've been, I think it just reinforces for me the the amusement in what, and I don't want to dwell too much on Hewton, but those managers where everyone in the crowd and everyone at home seems to know what should happen and it doesn't happen. Cooper seems to be doing the things we want him to do. You know, at Barnsley, bring on a record. We're doing everything but scoring. Bring on a recognised striker, move things around a bit, go to four at the back to counter what they're doing. Oh yeah, I think most people in the stand would have said, yeah, that's probably the right thing to do. And he did it. And he did it early enough for it to make an impact, right? Um, could have done it in 15 remember, minutes. Sorry, Dan, do you remember when the um exactly when the subs were at Barnsley? Because this is quite an interesting fact. Do you remember exactly when they how they happened? I think the Graben one was first. So that was um Figueredo off for Graben, was it? He took off a and that was in the, for Graben on the fifth minute, and we scored yeah. on the first. Yeah, that, and it was almost instantaneous, right? But it, it pointed to a change in shape as well. And it wasn't just a, oh, crap, we've got 10 minutes left. We better bang a striker on and who can we take off? It was it was very clearly something that fitted every part of the game. Let's go to four at the back, right? We need to take a central defender off. Let's move around up front. And if we're doing that, we need to get someone in behind. And, and the beauty of grabbing is as well, and I'm sure we might come to this later, he poaches goals, but also he assists from the halfway line. He drops deep. And when you've got the options of Zinkanagel, Lolly, Johnson, etc., having Graben on the halfway line, picking a pass to Johnson to run through on, and then Graben not being forced to then put 50 yards in because Zinkanagel's bursting up already, just the options are terrifying in a way. So it's, um, 
I, yeah, I've been I've been impressed by the changes he's made, and I, again, it just bemuses me slightly that it, it's kind of obvious in many ways, but someone's had the the bravery to to go and do it, and it seems to have worked. So um, yeah, all credit to him. Yeah, we're we're not we're not a big podcast for doing all the deep analysis. We would you know happily, and this is not meant as a as a slight because I'm not I'm not really that kind of bloke. There's podcasts who do that a lot more than we do, going into the you know this change here and the analytics of what it is, and they do it very well. Uh, but I will actually talk about it on this at this point here. But just thinking about it as you're saying it, Dan, that that three at the back with the two wide, when you do make that change, when he took figs off at first in my head because I'm used to seeing two centre backs, I'm going, hold on, what's going on here? In your head, you're thinking you're going to a three, and you thought, oh no, because this shape we've got, you can now go to a four. And you know, and it's funny, isn't it? Because how many times I've definitely seen it. Lewis Graben, who's too deep, is too deep. Now all of a sudden, it just shows you what it can do, doesn't it? And sorry, I don't know if that's really a question. I guess it is. You know, your thoughts on that? Is the shape is actually quite malleable, isn't it? It's quite an interesting shape. Yeah, and I think regardless, like you say, like I'm, I'm no expert on the different formations and tactics. I'll have my opinion, but I, I don't think it carries that much weight. But ultimately, what I think we found under Hutton and maybe even Sabri to a degree, but I think it just worked under Sabri was we were very one-dimensional. Um, and if you just take some absolute basics, like you know playing down the wing and crossing the ball in, well, if they know you're going to do that, then they set up to defend that. And if you're playing with one striker in the box and you've not got anyone chasing the second ball because you're playing two defensive midfielders, then the team's just set up to stop you doing that. Uh, when we had Matty Cash and Joe Lolly on the same side, you know, way back when in the glory, glory era, um, only two years ago wasn't it <laughs> I know exactly exactly but I still have a tear in my eye thinking about that um, it's it's more of that thing of it gave us options so was Lolly going to have cash on the overlap to cross in or was he going to cut inside on his left and smash one in and Lolly scored a lot of goals that season and cash got a lot of crosses in and a lot of assists and all it does is put a bit of a bit of fear in the defender's mind or a bit of uncertainty of oh, what's Lolly going to do come inside play cash in options what I've seen over the last year is a lack of options and a one-dimensional approach to the football. Whatever it is, however clever it is, teams work it out and that's what happens. What I've seen the last few games is defenders, especially at Huddersfield, they were looking at the bench saying, what do we do here? We don't know if Johnson's going to break. We don't know if Graben's going to get in the box. We don't know if he's going to come short. We don't know if Zinkenagel's going to go forward. Lolly's going to play left and get a cross in or are they going to swap into the right and he's going to have a shot? It, it just creates such uncertainty that you don't actually have to be that much better than we were you're just creating this situation where people don't know what to expect and how to defend you. And yeah, maybe we'll get found out in certain ways as we go through the season, but all you have to do is keep options open. Um, and as long as we stay multidimensional in that attack, I think in this league, and it was said on Twitter today uh, on a thread I was reading, the key thing in this league is attacking and scoring goals. As long as you're not abysmal in defence, I think that was the paraphrase of it. Um, you've got to score. And if you score, it puts teams under pressure. Um and I, so, yeah, I, I think it's um, it's just that for me, which is we we don't know what's going to happen next. I'm not even sure some of the players do, and therefore the opposition certainly can't. I was going to say, well, we we're we're as shocked as anyone. Um, so in the opposition, actually, another thing as well we mentioned earlier on about when you're on about the fact of when we know that the game is going to be ours, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, often, whenever I feel nervous about Forest, I try and imagine what I'd think the other way. We naturally tend to watch our team. It's like a boxer who you support. You tend to watch them more than the other. And I think those who can really see the game probably do that, but they don't. But I must admit, there's a couple of games where I've just gone, actually, I think we're all right, which doesn't normally always happen. So I looked at Birmingham, I was thinking they're not getting through here after it happens. So uh, we're going to move on to individually about this aside from sort of back to front. And then we're going to come to some questions from Twitter as well, um, including 
Uh, what's Lisa's favourite curry um, at some point? No, I'm joking, I just made that one up. Uh, Dan, I think now would be as good a time as any to uh, have a second part about this mystery man from Hull, uh, if you'd be so kind. Sure, okay. So, he, reminder on the first clue, he was signed from Hull City for Forest uh, after he scored two goals in 135 games. Um, if I was to give him a nickname, it would be Jasper the Dog, because that's the only thing I've come to my mind based on your previous anecdote. Um, no, no reference whatsoever there. Um, second clue, he was an unused substitute for Forest against Bayern Munich, um, but only played four games for Forest in the Premier League. So he made four appearances for us in the Premier League and was an unused substitute against Bayern Munich. At home or away? Against Bayern Munich. Oh, I believe man. both. Certainly well, away, but both, I believe I was both. There. <laughs> um, Lisa, were you there home for Bayern? Yeah, so but as we saw last week, Lisa went to almost all the cup run and uh, she didn't remember any of the teams we played. So that's much use as a sugar fire guard. So there we go. We brought it from Hull and sub against Bayern and played four games in the Premier League. Was that right? Correct. Oh, God, I should be able to do this now because the trouble is, Lisa, I care greatly what you think about Bree Samba. And I'm going to ask you this question now, but I'm probably not going to listen to what you say because I'm going to just have to think about the squad who played Bayern while you tell me. So with the most interesting answer ever, question to Lisa is, let's talk a bit about the squad. Back to front. Samba made an incredible stop against Birmingham. Actually, that was, uh, I was going to make up like Neuer-esque or something, but it was a wonderful save. And he's only conceded, I think, two in four since, um, as I've put in my notes here, Chris Hewton, but I made a small H, so it looks like two in four since Ch left. Um <laughs> He really hasn't been at his best since Sabri went for me. I think there's been, maybe we just got one golden season as it were with that, but I think there's been a noted difference. I don't know if uh, Samba needs the crowd where it was, but for the last few games, he's, he has been ace, hasn't he? No, I'm not listening. No, I am. Go on. <laughs> he's, he's done a lot better. Um, you know, he's always got a mistake in him, but he has looked a lot more confident. But I, the short answer is, if you've got a, a defence in front of you that you are confident in it actually makes a hell of a lot of difference to the person that's between the sticks because for me and for football there's 11 there's 11 players on that pitch and if the ball is coming from the opposition's defense there's 11 players or, or 10 players to go through till it gets to the keeper um so ultimately he his job is to stop but it's not there is you know he's not the only one who's culpable if if the ball is coming in um but i mean that that save that he made on on saturday um, showed that he is pretty much back to his best and um, it's good to see. Yeah, I actually ended up, because I've realised I'm I'm one of these people who can't switch off when people are talking to me, so I didn't think at all about the player and just listened to what you were saying. Good. Which is nice. Um, I'm sure there'll be uh, people telling you that I don't always do that, but no, I think I agree. I think it's also a bit of a, as a former sort of kid's kids level trying to play football as a striker I, I hated goalkeepers I just thought they got protected too much and that they were just you know a pain in the bum uh, but it is a hard role in terms of you make a mistake and it's going to cost a lot more than a striker fluffing a lot of the time um, so Dan we're going to move on with you to guess what the defence that's right or the, the defence um, I still can't really work out why people say that in a different way but anyways it's like aluminum I guess potato patata uh, moving on uh, I'm a huge fan of the godlike man mountain that is Scott McKenna and I think I probably always will be, unless he joins Derby in the Isthmian League 7 in the future. Uh, but since the managerial change, the wing-backs deployed, three centre-backs, the defence has looked like a totally different animal. I know Birmingham, I'm not trying to just forget that and pretend that there wasn't a real lot of shaky moments as well. But how do you see the defence as, uh, the case for the defence as it would be? That's what I should have called it at the start. 
yeah, I think I'd so say the three the three centre backs we've been playing, I think, have been um, excellent. Especially, I think you've got to consider, you know, if you say anything about earning money and what they should be able to do and not do. They've played a certain way for a long time, and they've been asked to do something different. And playing three at the back isn't necessarily, you know, a simple transition of just adding a third body. And you look at what they're being asked to do, and and Cooper's comments about playing out from the back, having one of them push on or start the attacks. So I, I think credit's got to be given to them for adapting to that as a back three. I found McKenna a bit shaky against, I think, would it have been Millwall? Yeah, so I was at the Millwall yeah, game. Um, um, but he played well defensively and he, he always has. And I, I'm a big fan of his as well. Um, I think he just saw a bit of fear in his eyes about being asked to play out, especially the way that Millwall pressed against us at home, which was a bit, probably a bit more aggressive than we've seen in some of the away games. Um, which of those three centre-backs do you think is best at playing out? If you had to pick one, who is our most ball playery? I, th- I think Worrell's been great because I think he's, he knows when to change it up a bit. He's, um, he's a big fan of the, uh, the patented Dawson's diagonal uh, across the field, but also he can play the short ball into the middle and he wants it back. He just looks confident. And I think it's a bit like penalty takers. Um, the same with defenders playing out. You just see in their eyes and the, the way they hold themselves, whether they feel confident in playing a pass. And I think the opposition pick up on that. And I felt against Millwall, maybe McKenna was the weaker of the three, but I have to say, having them watched him do it, you know, the last two games, I think they're learning pretty quickly or they're improving pretty quickly. So that that's a good sign. And the only other thing I'll add about the defense is, um, I think if we're going to continue playing this way with the five at the back or the three at the back, however you want to describe it, and we're going to have wing backs. Um, what would concern me at the moment is injuries or suspensions to the two that are currently playing wide. Yeah. Um, and also the fact they're both on loan. And I know it's easy to jump on that early. They've only played a few games. Um, but the, I think the positive spin you can put on that is we now know what we need, right? So they're not ours permanently, but I don't think there's any excuses now in January or next summer to not go and get, whether it's them or whether it's people that our recruitment um, department see as, you know, uh, viable alternatives. We have to get wide players that are capable of getting forward. Um, and of course, you always you always lose something in terms of, you know, playing, playing defensively, but just like Matty Cash bombing forward, Ribeiro, people who have done it to a reasonable degree in the past, one way or another, I think we see now that that's the way forward. So we have to recruit in those areas, both to back up who we've got and also if, in case we do lose them and we can't, can't keep them beyond January or the end of the season. Hold on, did Ribeiro ever make a run back? I never supported. just that one, just that one on Twitter. I think I'm joking. I've got nothing <laughs> against you, Ribeiro. I know you know there's, there's certain people who would just you know have a statue of him next to Clough, but you know, part of me was going, I love seeing that. Then I went, hold on, he's a footballer, that's his fucking job. <laughs> just the, the, the do you know what the problem is with that is that uh, too many of them don't do it. I think that's that's the fair way of looking at it. You know, if you went, this is what you should do, that is kind of what you should do, and then you'd be a really good footballer. And that you know, it was a great moment that, but. Jesus Christ, get over it. Uh, so Lisa, the midfield is a weird one for me in some ways because the midfield is kind of a mixture at the moment, isn't it? With the fullbacks as they are and sort of the attackers being as they are. So I'm going to go on what I think is the core in a sense, okay? Um, obviously, Ryan Yates has been amazing, as he always is. Uh, should oh, Ryan Ryan's great. A silver statue. Do you know what? I, I will, we'll come to this at some point as well, but as, as top line as you can, for those people who are still a bit undecided on football-wise, a nice lad as well and does a lot to help. People. Yeah, he does. Um, he's a he's a top lad, and just I mean, just listening to him in his interview for on Radio Nottingham on Saturday, where he just said, you know, I'd do, I'd do anything for this football club, 
Um, I'd die for the or something like that. I'd, yeah, I'd, yeah, I'd, it was something along the lines of I'd die for this football club kind of thing. Um, and it's not just for me, it's not just about him being a local lad, you know, one of our own, whatever. But he is genuinely bloody happy and very, very proud to be in that in that team. Mm. And you know, he's been out on loan and he's he's applied his trade in the lower divisions and he's come come into our team over the last couple of seasons and he's done a job. Um, he's not always done the job to the best, you know, I would say, I don't want to say to the best of his ability because actually I think from Ryan, you probably get 100% every week. Um, but he's done the job as best as he can, given what he's got to go on. So if, you know, we know, and we don't want to talk about Houghton too much, um, but don't go forward, you know, Stay on the halfway line. Don't go above this this position on the pitch. He's been told stay there. I don't think it's. I don't think it's just him. I think. I think they have set up to make sure that they don't lose games, but right. not necessarily to win games. Um, so it's that offensive defensive uh, thing again. But I mean, on Saturday, one he got the header, which everybody's been saying, well, he can't hit a ball. Well, well he, he hasn't been able to for a long time, to be fair. And I like And even it. so, even so, he he knows yeah, that sure. that's what he needs to work on. And if, if he watches the games back from last season, he would be there going, right, this is what I need to work on over the summer. And he's, he's, like, a, he's like a little kid to me that, you know, if they want to go out in the back garden and bounce a baseball, a, a basketball round and try and hit the net every time, and they only do it seven times out of 10, then they're going to try to for eight and then nine and then 10, and they're going to get better. And, you know, for me, Yates with Colback alongside him, who looked back to his best on Saturday, you know, he he looked proper happy um, to be back in that team on Saturday. Um, he's surely only going to get better because 100% Jack Colback on the Jack Colback that we had two seasons ago um, is a no-brainer, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I'm very conscious of the fact that it is a game uh, and it's very hard to do that because there is that fine line between going but we've had nothing to be excited about. So let's be excited. Yeah, but we are excited. Yeah. And I, it's, and no one likes, you know, really you like someone both ends, don't you? Mr. Miserable or Mr. Or Mrs. Uh, let's go crazy. Actually, your question was actually, I didn't even ask it because I got obsessed with the Ryan Yates being a thoroughly nice chap. Um, Zink and Argle uh, is not really, really good. Lolle is Lolle. back. I still can't ever get over that clip. It's just one of my favourite things. Uh, Colback, obviously playing well, as you said, but we could argue that the player most wanted by our social media fan base has gone off the boil a bit. Now, I, I firmly believe his past yeah. with Cooper and the fact he's been incredible on his day means it's a blip and nothing more. But A, am I wrong? And B, what has kind of been your thoughts on that? So, I know this isn't to pick out on this, and I'm not equally defending against those people who are going, fruits because I don't really fucking care. But it's just more the fact that it's interesting that this team is gelling so well with the man that a lot of people would have had you believe. If we didn't sign, the club was going to go under. Well, it was. it is quite interesting because if you remember a few weeks ago on the pod, I actually said... I don't think it was just about Ghana. I think it was about the fact that you'd got um, Kravinovic alongside him and they both came in together and they they gelled very, very quickly and it worked from the off. Um, so the fact is now you've got 50% of that combination um, and it's not working quite so well. And I think he himself will say that it's, you know, his first six weeks back in, in Nottingham has probably been really disappointing. Um, and he's wondering what the hell he's doing. Um, but it's a long season. And, you know, again, he he's he has come back to learn. Um, he knows what he's going to get from Cooper. And as a young player for me, 
knowing that Cooper seems to have a very much hands-on approach, a very, very positive attitude um, and wants to make his players better, um, surely that is a good thing for Ghana. And that I think by the time that we you know, speak again, possibly in a month's time, we might be seeing a different side to him and that he's enjoying his football more because the last thing you want to see is a footballer that's not enjoying the football because ultimately that's not fun for anybody, is it? Well, no, and I, I saw it, I was just trying to find it there really quickly. There was a tweet, I, I don't know where it had come up, from his dad saying something like, the, the lad's trying, you know, he cares. And I, was, and I thought, oh my God, why, why has this happened? Has someone gone at the dad and gone, what's happened to your son? Or And I can't remember the line of where it came. And to be honest, it, it's not that important now. But that is the way I look at it. It's, it's, again, it, it kind of ties in with this modern day football thing, doesn't it? If I remember when Carvalho, all the clamour for this season, and then he came oh. in and yeah, exactly. And, you know, let's be fair, apart from Bradford, he hasn't really done a lot. And then you mentioned that to almost, it's really not aimed at him. It's aimed at the, the people who won't stop fucking going on about it to go, just shut up. It's a game of ups. Hi, Aaron. <laughs> yeah, he stopped listening when I said I didn't support Cavalio. But, you know, I, as I said today on the radio, I support anyone who puts on this shirt, you know, and wants to go for it. And, you know, because you're doing something that I could only ever dream of doing. Um, but um, yeah, also, Maybe... Maybe sorry to jump in, but just something on the on the Ghana thing as well, because I think everything you've said is is spot on. But I think there's also something to be said for the fact that he was playing in a team last year, which wasn't good, right? It was it was quite a way into the season before we knew we weren't going to get relegated. Now I don't think anyone ever thought it was going to be the case, but this is all relative to everyone that's around you as well. So when Forest fans see, you know, feel that maybe the rest of the team is giving four or five out of ten performances every week, and you've got someone coming in giving a seven and eight out of ten. They look like a world beater. Yeah. This season, we've got players eight out of 10 every week. So I'm not even sure we can say Garner's necessarily gone off the boil. I don't think he's having the impact on games that he was having last year. But part of that and part of it only is due to the fact that everyone else has stepped up, whether it's the system, whether it's another reason, you know, whatever it may be. Um, they've stepped up and I think it just makes him look more average because everyone around him is slightly better. So I think we, we've got to keep a kind of level head on what we can expect from him as a young player as well. But I, I'm glad he's part of that middle group because we won't get through the season with two midfielders playing 46 games. No. Um, and I think he has a part to play, especially at home more than anything for me um, when we set up. Yeah, I think I think it's that that's a really main, major point. And it's, you know, it's, it's not like he goes, he hasn't gone bad, is he? He's obviously a great, I'd rather have a squad with him in all day, every day. That's what I'm saying. And I think that the, for me, the big difference is it's not like I've seen him. Do you remember the Bong and the Jenkinson stuff going around about them, like dropping the ball off the side of the pitch? That was crap. That's, you know, not being funny to your Gaten or whatever, but it was rubbish, really rubbish. I don't see that happening with Garner at all. I don't. I just don't see him. That's the point. I've just gone to half time in some games and gone, hold on, where's, where's Jimmy Garner? Where's he gone? And that's that's kind of how I felt a bit about Brennan as well at times this season. And Mighton, where oh no, Mighton was different. I see a lot of Mighton, but then the end ball would be the thing. But anyway, we're trying to be as positive as we can. And um, you know, those days are hopefully a bit behind us. Dan, you like this one? I'm going to try and do some voiceover for you on it. He's lazy. He's disinterested. He shouldn't be captain. He's gone shit. He wants to move to Qatar. These were my tweets about grabbing over the last eighteen months. Um, so let me just grab a spoonful of humble pie otherwise known as toast. Uh, but no, seriousness, it's only four games, but Lewis looks like the twinkle is back in those toes. Uh, does it not? Dan, sorry, I didn't say that was four. No, you did. And then I just completely used my big fat fingers to press the wrong button. Um, 
yeah, I, 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 this is in no way I, I told you so or anything else, but I've I've always believed that strikers who can score 20 goals a season don't go bad overnight. You don't go and score 20 goals in a championship season. Hold on, Pele um, would be uh, shit now. Sorry? Pele would be awful now, by the way. Oh, you mean well, eight, yeah. if he can still play the game? Okay, sorry. <laughs> well, put him in the team. Proof, proof will be no, in not the that, uh, that was one of the worst ones I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> sorry, mate. Go on, stop your flow. That's a, that's a good pub question. Who would be better now, literally today? Pele or the other Pele? And I think oh, it might be closer than you I think. I think it's Erection. Yeah, you've always been a firm... But it, so if I play back the podcast and anytime we mention about grabbing, you've, you've been firmly... I don't know why I'm turning um, this on you. It's me that's... No, like- no, no. I think, I I honestly think, you know, it comes down to the same thing we've said about a number of players, which is a system, what they're being asked to do, what the suppliers and everything else. And it's easy to say, well, even, even in a Sabri, I, I just don't, I genuinely don't understand the hate towards Lewis Graben. Even in a Sabri season, he scored 20 goals. How many people have scored 20 goals for Forrest in the last 30 years? About four or five, I think. Yeah, yeah. And, and... Even in the Sabri season, people saying, yeah, but he misses the same amount again. He should have got 30, 40. I'm like, there's obviously something here that people don't like about him um, fundamentally. And let's put that aside and just talk about a striker who, when he's in a team that's set up to score goals, he will score you those goals. And he never hasn't done that at any team he has been at. And he, those kinds of players are hard to come by. And when, and I'm not going to, I'm sure you might talk about Lyle Taylor in a bit, so I won't go into too much detail on him. Lisa. All right. So, but when you talk about strikers, I think people, there's trends and they see someone do well for 10 minutes here, 10 minutes there, or everyone saw Lyle Taylor play well against us in that Charlton game where Sabri made all the changes. Um, but fundamentally, the whole thing about, you know, class being permanent and Lewis Graben scores goals and we would be ridiculous to get rid of him. We'd be ridiculous to drop him when he's fit. And I think it's ridiculous that anyone gets on his back. Right, just take the the most recent run. He he enables us to do things. He's not just adding the fifth goal in a five nil win. He's winning us points. And I, I I said this on another podcast, and I got slated for it a while back. If he hadn't, if we hadn't had Graben during the Sabri season, I think we might have been relegated. When you look at the points that he won us and the games that we shit housed, right? He he got some ridiculous goals, and we finished seventh in the end. I think we could have been lower than 15th had he not been in our squad um, given what we've seen from other strikers recently so yeah I, I couldn't be a bigger fan and I just can't understand the the hate towards him at all I think Lisa's just had a pen and paper out there working out what many points for us to be on without Lewis Graben there but I, <laughs> you know I, I personally think it's a lot to do with him being captain as well I think for me because we have been spoilt with captains who are tub thumping and are I'm thinking of Stuart Pierce. I guess every time I think about that and I think he's often quite voiceless seems quite quiet doesn't seem kind of what you expect i think i've thought for a long time he shouldn't be captain because it would do him the world of good to just be able to be that quiet guy who gets about his job and goes and does it but then he'd have to do his job as well at least do you want to before we go to the next term guess the garibaldi and we change tact a little bit do you want to add anything on lyle taylor and no, uh, let's talk about lewis let's talk about lewis a bit more <laughs> you know at the end of the day over the last five five six seasons he is the, the championship's leading goal scorer um which is ridiculous, really. You know, he's ours. We, you know, we've had such a good return on him from the seasons that we've had. Last season, we've got to say, was a blip and it was a write-off for everybody um, for a lot of reasons. Um, but I know, um, you know, for, for with, with the talk about um, Lewis being sulky and his body language and stuff, and you look at him and then you look at Lyle Taylor and they're just no disrespect to Taylor because I don't believe that he has 
been given the opportunity to show exactly what he can do because everywhere he's been, he has scored goals. Um, but if I had the choice between which one would be in my starting 11 every week, it would be Lewis because he is guaranteed that 20 goals. Taylor probably guaranteed 10. So he's a really good off the bench substitution, you know, to, to substitute to come on. But for me, he probably should be in a, in a team where he's starting every week. And I don't think the way that Forrest set up or how we have been um, blessed with our strikers in the past, and I'm not talking in the past 10 years, because obviously, you know, the, our best striker over the last 10 years has been Lewis by a, by a long, long way. Um, but I think that there is just something that, you know, we've spoken about managers coming in and fitting in. Um, and I think it is just a shame because he has a good scoring record wherever he has been. But for whatever reason, um, it's not happened here. But I'm going to say that is yet because it's all about um, people creating chances. And if you are that number 10, that number uh, number nine playing as a, as a lone striker, um, then somebody has got to create you those opportunities. Um, Lewis, we're lucky because he can create something out of nothing. Taylor isn't the same sort of player. So I think it is a bit disrespectful for us to compare the two. Uh, yeah, on on, the, on stats, I mean, I was just looking at you, Grabman's 33 as well. So even though in that's, that is, the older you get, the lower that number seems to matter. You know, we're going, oh, he's 34 now. I'm thinking, God, I'd love to be 34 again. Uh, before we move on, thank you both as well for that little run through the uh, the new state of it. Uh, we're going to move on to, uh, well, some little bit more jovial bits in a minute. Dan, part three. I haven't had a chance to really think about this. Uh, part three of um, Guess the Garibaldi, if you would. All right. So just to recap the first two, we signed him from Hull City after he'd scored two in 135 for the Tigers. Uh, unused substitute for Forest against Bayern Munich, um, but only played four games for Forest in the Premier League. And uh, this Northern Ireland international earned 25 caps between 91 and 98. Is the second letter of his surname L? The second letter of his surname L? No. Okay. 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 Uh, it won't come to me because I've got this other clock. <laughs> This is a really random question. Is he a goalie? He is a goalie. Yeah. I just thought with the goals, that's what's going to have done it. Okay, I know it is now. That's really annoying. Is the first set of his surname an F? No. A W. It's one of the two. Anyway, don't say yes or no on that, but it's. I think Lisa's got it. So, Lisa, what letter do you want to put in on the surname just so Dan knows that you know who it is? T. Not not starting with no, just in. No, just in. T. Yeah. Okay, so it was the F one, I think. Okay, that's fine. Uh, oh, that's annoying. Okay, Lisa's. Okay, yeah, but I mean, Lisa, I'm trying to host a podcast. Um, anyway, uh, Lisa, while you're there, um, we haven't even discussed the players who we haven't played yet, or those on the bench, Carvalho. Um, looking at those that we haven't even started, I mean, you know, those that are yet to come into it. Just imagine that they're all all right as well. Quite exciting, Indeed. isn't it? Yeah, and I know um, the a couple of them played for the under twenty threes. Are you the only one who went to that? Or did you go to that? Or I know, I know somebody who went to that. Yeah, um, and had an, a bit of an opinion on a few of the players. In fact, I've spoken to a couple of people who actually went to the game um, and said that Brian Adeja looks quite quite interesting. Um, so, but again, it's that whole you've there's you know three or four that have got got to even get an impact 
into that first 11. And a few weeks ago, we were thinking, you know, God, our first 11 is rubbish. Now, I don't really know who I would be dropping to bring anybody else into it. So it's it's quite exciting to have a little bit of potentially strength in depth, even though we haven't seen what these players can do in the championship. Oh, it's still need a striker for me. I still don't think you can go that far. because No, but there's a lot that even, even within the 23s, there are three or four players as, as strikers that... Um, I think could probably do a really good job. Yeah, the lad from what happened with that? The lad who we got is it from West Ham alone? And he came, didn't he come on as a sub in one of Hewitt's games? We haven't seen him since. Who was that? That wasn't an under 23s game. Who's the lad we we've signed a like a striker attacker because everyone at the time was going, I'm sure he can be a striker. Silver, silver. Yeah, I'm sure he came on. He's as not a, played yet, has he? I thought he came yeah. on as a sub. I can't recall him playing, I have to say. I'm going to have to double check that because I thought he did come on. Um, okay, so maybe I'm just going absolutely mad. It was a re- They don't do reserves. It was a Pontins game. Uh, Dan, you'll like this one. So the manager uh, beat firmly on terra firma, the promotion juice locked in the minibar. What could Forrest achieve this season from what you've seen so far under Steve Cooper? Um, automatic promotion. No, um, I think... I'll look- take your first answer. Um, so there we go. <laughs> No, I look. If you're kind of starting afresh, I think um, there is a point where we've got to be a bit realistic about how long we can go on a run for. Um, and now people have done, you know, stranger things. Barnsley, when uh, Dame Murphy made the managerial change there um, last season, you know, Villa a couple of years previous to that, um, when they uh, managed to do do the Rams and consign them to uh, their their fate in the Pontins League or whatever it will be. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's possible, right? But honestly, without dodging your question completely, I'm just enjoy. I think I said it like the the last pod I was on, so maybe two weeks ago. Just enjoying winning a few games. We'll lose a few and we'll win a few. And what would be good this year is to build some momentum. So, you know, finishing reasonably high up the table, um, winning more than we lose from now on in, having some good wins like we have done that you can spend the week looking at the goals on Twitter over and over again and and sharing your thoughts on it. And having a couple of good transfer windows and people seeing that they want to come to play for us based on a, a style that we're putting in place. So if anything, I think I'd just like to get to a point where we can sit back and relax this year, enjoy some football, you know, know that we're probably not going to finish in the top six. Um, but at the same time, you know, if that happens, then it's an absolute bonus. But just hope that we have more good weekends than bad and that we get into next summer with a squad that's ours and that's capable of doing some some damage so yeah just kind of pressure off at this point i think and build see what see where we get to yeah i i think that's a big one as well as the unity of the off-field stuff with the on-field stuff see that how that aligns now i don't think i've officially ever seen a line from you know one of the backroom staff going yeah my job is to analyze this or uh, you know, or like Dane coming out and saying, I want this to be exactly be like this. I've never actually seen, a lot of people have made a lot of assumptions about what these things are and what they'll be. But I just would like to see some nice alignment of, you know, we're seeing players under this age come in and or typically, you know, this or there's an ethos being built and that kind of unity, that would that would be really, really cool if uh, we're not just absolutely running away with it and doing amazing because while the points are there, well, Lisa, after the worst start in 108 years, and even though we're now 17th, we are currently 11th favourites for the bookies to get promoted. Um, I know it's stupid to talk such nonsense, but we love football, and that's what fans do. Are you booking a hotel for Wembley in May? Maybe. Um, I'm not quite going that far yet, but I think there are positive signs that we are 
going to be all right this season. Um, you know, a, a month ago, were there three worst teams in the in the championship than us? No, there weren't. Let's not make any bones about it. We were shocking. Um, are there three worse teams than us in the championship now? Mm, yeah, there probably are. Um, and, and we're not going to go through every game unbeaten. Um, but I also think playing the style of play that we play and, and have played over the last couple of games, um, we will win more than we will lose, which has got to be positive. So I'm not going to book um, it for May 22, but May 23 might be a possibility. I just think it's so annoying, isn't it, to have to do that. Oh, it'll be next year. It's almost like when you go crops, says Mr. Never Grown Crops. And you're going, oh, when will be, you know, we, I remember someone saying years ago about, oh, I don't want to score yet, or this team might go up. But I'll tell you what, if Forrest got up off someone's bomb in the last minute this season, I'd take it. Because well, of course I've, it would. I've, of course always, it would. I've always had this long thing with Forrest where those two stars above the, the badge in League One, we were European Cup winning Nottingham Forest in every bloody game, whoever we played. In the championship, they don't seem to mention it. But do you know what? In the top flight, even though I could just about remember it, they do hold some gravitas. There's a lot of, you know, Dan, you'll know from living away. You'll know from being gone holiday. People do know the club still because of that. And I think that will reverberate with players as well. Probably parasitic agents also. But, um, you know, whichever way it is, we know from 20 years it's been now, it's a bloody hard lead to get out of. So, and I just want to reiterate as well to those people listening, thinking we've gone absolutely nuts after a few games. The season is long and as much as we could now just lose them all and go below Derby by the end of the season, which I think would be incredible if they lose another 70 points, whatever it's maybe. Um, but, you know, it's, I think a lot of this stems from a bit of a COVID thing, a bit of a lockdown thing, a bit of a we didn't get to see the end of the Sabri bit where it looked all right. And was it because of no fans and they fell apart and then Hewton was just so ghostly and dull that I think we are allowed to get a little bit this is actually quite nice because it isn't just because Forrest scrapes some wins, as I was saying on the radio. And I think we said earlier on Forrest have done it with a level of panache and kind of attacking and sort of frivolity in a way that I don't think I've remembered since another little sort of fist pumping manager was running towards the fans. It's almost like you've had this conversation already today, Mr. Freebury. Well, I don't think we had it quite like that, but I mean, <laughs> when, when WhatsApp's down, what else can you do? <laughs> um, it's, it's, the interesting thing for me is that Cooper's come in and he gets the history. You know, he watched the, our, our first our game against Millwall and when the fans were belting out Mullock and Tyre, yeah, he was actually no. in awe of watching just just and just being on the kind of the receiving end of that rather than the opposition end of that. Yeah. Um, and for us as fans to have a manager that shows the passion and the finesse since that other little twat that's kind of, you know, came from the A50, down the other end of the A52, um, we have got some belief and we've got a little bit of identity back and we've got a, a manager who actually gets it and gets what it means to us as fans so I think with when Billy was with with Forrest um there was always that mentality of it was us against them Speech, wasn't um, it? and that us was inclusive of the fans and and it is it's got to be an inclusivity because that's what you know we're paying our money we're going to watch them and we don't want to watch crap so it's ironic the second time he came, it was a siege mentality like North Korea. Opposite, um, yeah, completely the opposite. No Night and day. Really. But but for me, Cooper has got that mentality and he's got the fans on side and he's got the players on side very, very quickly. And yeah. that is so positive. And the respect, I, I, you haven't got to go Joe Kinnear levels of going, I don't care about history. And you haven't got to go the other end where you're going, oh, Brian Clough. It seems a, a, a healthy level of it, uh, if you ask me. Um, 
so yeah, that, that's kind of thing where I certainly it's just interesting. But obviously the way football works, however much you might get people replying to you on Twitter or, or the, the like going, but it'll calm down and that it's this and that. It's how football works. It's it's an entertainment sport and it's a it's a what do you call it? It's a momentum sport. And as much as a team gets momentum, the fans do as well. I don't know if Dan, you wanted to add anything on the way that we see that and how crazy we get about it. Cause I know promotion juice is one of your big kind of bugbears in a sense. Yeah, I made a fresh batch this morning. Ready, ready to down. Yeah, I'm gonna pour it over my head and live on. on a, I was wondering what flavor is promotion juice, or does it change? Uh, over here, it's like kale. I think they put garlic in it as well, or something, and ginger. It's a bit healthy. Um, yeah, it's. Um, if you can't get excited about this, what can you get excited about? And I, and I think really what people are, when you know anyone kind of says, "Well, calm down," you you know we might lose next week. It's like, yeah, exactly. You know, we're not we're not the ones paid to keep a level head. We're the ones paid to get excited, and we pay our money to get the ups and you know hopefully not too many downs. And you know, managers can and you know boardroom people can sell, go on TV and say, "Well, we won't get too high after the wins and too low after the losses." I'm completely here for getting high after the wins and low after the losses. That's why I'm invested in it. Um, now you can say, well, okay, well, the bigger picture, getting promoted, everything else. Honestly, when you get you get that far ahead, um, I don't think when you sit down with Forest fans and they watch the Premier League, of course we want to be in the Premier League, of course we want to be up there. But we're not going to go and even if we get there in the next few years, it's not like we're suddenly going to go up there and then start spanking teams. It's probably going to be like the last couple of times, a fairly miserable season. The, the novelty of being up there will be great, but we won't be seeing our team win two out of three all the time. So the whole idea of getting promoted is the idea that you've had a good season. And that's made up of these little moments week after week where you're going away and winning three nil, not expecting it, getting a one nil last minute win at home. So if you're not getting excited about this, what are you what are you here for? To be honest, what are you waiting for? What? Norwich, right? So Norwich last season were incredible, and everyone's going. They've got it right this year. They went up too early last time. The, the, what? I mean, this year they're doing it again. As I, I can't, you know, I hate to say it, but Brentford looked like the team most likely. Uh, and let's say Ranieri's just been announced as Watford's new manager. So uh, interesting to see what happens with Zink and Nagel as well. Um, I'm going to move on just to a few things we've got here from guys on Twitter before we're going to let Dan wrap it up with uh, Lisa's glory of knowing who Gessa Garibaldi was. Um, Gareth Roberts, we've kind of answered your one here about Garner in danger of turning into Gardner, which I thought was uh, bang on there. What is it about second loan spells with Forrest? Should we all just do what we can sign Spence in January? Um, someone tells me low might be more challenging to get done. Uh, quickly, I'll just do one word with these because some of these you will definitely want to do one word with. Um, low and Spence, Lisa, purchasing, purchasing. I mean, more would you like to rather than any in the know that you have? Bye, bye, bye is what I would say. Oh, you don't want them to leave? That's better. As in, be what? Be you. Drop in and stop that end thing for it. Dan, will Lyle Taylor score another Forest goal? Yes, absolutely. Is Gary Gardner and James Garner the same person? And it's a no, isn't it? Of course. Uh, thanks for that one, Craig. Uh, David Jones. I kind of see where David's coming with this one. Are Forest fans missing the rage? Why else are so many of them banging on about Hewton? Let it go. Move on. Leave the bloke alone. Yes. Well, do I need to give a one answer on that? Uh, no, no. Uh, Kieran, uh, who was with us last week, obviously Kieran Curtis says, the fist pump. This is for you, Lisa. Uh, do we, <laughs> the fist pump, and do we actually have a first choice 11 now? Yes. Hi, Kieran. Oh. Yeah, I think we do. Oh, yeah. I really, really, is there any part of it? Oh, I think the midfield could move around a bit. Damn thoughts on that. In terms of, you know, like Colbert, you're going to go Colbert Yates every game, is he? I think he'll change it up a bit. No, I think I think we've got a starting, let's call it 14 
at the moment. And as you say, there are still players to come in, which we haven't really seen anything of uh, Embe So yet as a potential central defender. We haven't seen, uh, is it Rodrigo Eli as well? So there's still some stuff to get excited about. So have we got a team that's capable of winning games that's currently out there? Yes. Could it actually get better? Potentially. Yeah, I don't want an answer on this one because Jamie Bishop and uh, a certain bloke called Dan together have uh, affected this one's quite good. Uh, Jamie, what happened to our forest and is Ghana the new Yates? And Dan replies, and is Yates the new Ghana? And uh, adds a wonderful gift there. So I'm not going to go any further about that one. Um, I was in the top one uh, is the name. I can't see what the at is here. Don't want to be a fun sponge, but is anyone else slightly concerned that three of our current best players are only loans and they could be recalled at any point? Lisa? can't give a one word on that but we've discussed that well, you don't always have to be one word sorry we, but we had a you know two three for the season the first season under Sabri um the the majority of our 11 starting every week were our own players which was quite exciting last season that kind of became more and more lone players yeah. um, and for me I think as long as our lone players give it 100% every week um you know it's, it's the old adage is going to be don't fall in love with lone players because we're going to be so so gutted when they're not ours next season. <laughs> Full stop. It's horrendous. Uh, just I, on I, that, just on, on that. About fun love. sponge. What's a fun sponge? Because my wife's away this week, and I think I might need one. <laughs> uh, I don't know because a fun sponge it sucks the sponge the sponge from you. It, <laughs> it sucks the fun from you. I think. Uh, rather, well, I'm still intrigued. I have to say. Anyway, <laughs> we'll talk about that afterwards. <laughs> so, some people might argue that for you know in in their relationships that the fun sponge is their other half. Yeah, oh, cover the sponge in fun and then rub it on you. Anyway, Dan, either way, I think you need three, one for every eventuality. Uh, Sanjay Singh has got a really, this is more of a point, but I fully agree with this one. Uh, individualism versus collectivism. Uh, do you know what? If this somehow was, how many uh, characters is Twitter now? It's not, it used to be 140. 280. 280. Double. Because Sanjay has used every single one of those bad boys with this. I'm very impressed by how thick and dense this looks. Individualism versus... Oh, I meant the uh, the wordage, not your opinions here, Sanjay. Uh, individualism versus collectivism, comma. The difference, in my opinion, from Hewton to Cooper. Do you think this is why Garner hasn't shone in the Cooper style of play? The likes of Colback is back with Yates is thriving in the structure. How do you see the structure affecting us long term? I think we've covered it in a sense, Sanjay, the way we saw it, how Garner stood out versus... I think that is a really key point, individualism versus collectivism. As Dan was saying, and Lisa, maybe Garner stood out a hell of a lot more uh, when he was in a team that A, wasn't as good, and also I, I think you've hit the nail on the head. Um, where's the other one? Oh, this, this is where I, I need you one word's really okay. Uh, Lisa, whatever happened to the Gunter money? The, have you got it? Back pocket. Did Billy Davis spend it on a cider pie? God, I'm going to get them for libel. Anyone Land Rover, know? I think, is what he spent it on. <laughs> wow. Anyone know any lawyers? Uh, that was from Craig. Um, uh, this is one from Dan W in New York. Why were we allowed to play in white shorts against Birmingham? I've never intonated a sentence so badly in my life. Why were we allowed to play in white shorts against Birmingham? Actually, Dan, I don't know. Maybe it's because it was going to be so horrific if we played in those hideous yellowy ones with the red that they just went, oh, just go for it. Have you got any Can thoughts? I go can I go full geek here and just explain a rule change that passed a number of people by? But there's a well, yeah, because great... NFFC Kit Project says finally the big question is being asked. So please go for it. So NFFC Kit Project, I don't know who's behind that account, but I, I do share a lot of uh, exchanges with them, and it's a great account, by the way. If you don't follow them, t- talking about what we've worn against teams in the past for for Kit Geeks. Oh, it's but, um, be- 
Well, yeah, before we used to be allowed to wear four different shorts. So you'd have the shorts from your first, second and third strip. And then like now this season, we could have an alternate red short that we could wear with our red kit so that we didn't clash with Birmingham's white shorts. And the rule is, I understand it's changed in the EFL, which means you're only allowed three pairs of shorts. So you either play in your home away or third, which means to not clash with Birmingham, we would have either had to wear our blue shorts um, or our fluorescent yellow shorts. And I love the, I, I love the kind of throwback of us mixing kits up randomly. I just think it's funny um, and it's great to watch. Um, but for whatever reason, we played in white shorts and so did Birmingham. So it makes a mockery of the whole kind of clashing thing and referees needing to to see when there's a melee whose leg it was that touched the ball or the linesman trying to see whose leg is in front of the other person's or whatever. But they obviously don't care anymore. But I just wanted to see us playing fluorescent shorts and red shirts just for the meltdown. But, yeah, because anyway. we used to we used to have a, like a special pair of red shorts, didn't we, before? I'm yeah. sure. We Not allowed anymore. Not allowed. Oh, OK. Fuck them. Um, so yeah, there was a, Andy Lowe would put. What about something that's baffled me since 1981? And uh, I put go for it, and he hasn't replied yet. So maybe we'll find that out next week. But I was born in 1981, so I hope it's nothing to do with that. And then finally, Lisa, just for you, why did Ian Wone never get an England cap? It's not a joke, by the way. He'd got a wand of a left foot, hadn't he? Oh, no one ever mentions Ian Wine without mentioning a fucking wand. And I agree with you. But it's just, isn't it funny how certain things, it's like, um, when do you ever hear the term legal tender that isn't associated with a Scottish £20 note? <laughs> I've never Stamps. heard anyone... Have you really Stamps. heard it? Oh, maybe is that an American thing or a UK thing? No, I always got told you could pay with stamps getting on a bus or something, but I think that's nonsense. I always got told if you put an address on the side of a cow and you have the right postage <laughs> on it, you could send it. Obviously, I, so, is that one of funny. your random facts that's a lie? No, no. I haven't done many Freebs' fake facts this week. This is a true one. So if I wrote on the side, Dan, New York City, and put on enough stamp postage on it, they'd send it. So I heard something slightly different related to what you can write on the side of a cow. This is also, is it a fun also genuine. It, I, I heard you could use it as a check. So you don't need to write a check in a checkbook. You could write... Ryan Freebury, Dan owes you five pounds assigned, dated, and I could put that cow outside your house and you could take it to the bank and the bank would honour that. I, I'm not convinced. I like that. It's a true bar like him. You went for five pounds just in case this was a legal contract on the podcast. <laughs> Um, do you know what while we're at it as well we're on about the kits and cows the cows got nothing to do with this I always got told that goalkeepers had to have long sleeve shirts and they couldn't roll them up because if an arm went up in the box you knew it was the keeper so when Georgi Campos the Mexican keeper used to wear his short sleeve shirts it used to really knock me off because I was going that's not allowed I'm sure that's not allowed they have to have long sleeve I know every bugger's got short sleeve do you know where we stand on that one Dan Kits rules so I don't know the rules, but I do know if you go into the Forest Club shop, they've started selling short sleeve goalkeeper shirts exclusively. Yeah. Yet then I watched the highlights from the weekend and Samba was wearing a long sleeved one. So that's even more confusing to me because he's stuck with the long sleeve on the field, but Forest have decided to sell the short sleeve in the shop. I can only assume they think they'll sell more if it's short sleeve because I have been tempted to get one and I've that's never walked a, around in the long sleeve. It is quite sexy though, that, uh, that cold goalkeeper shirt, isn't it? You're talking about the, the like, powdery blue one. Yeah, with the, like the blue, there's mm. two, there's like the darker, yeah, there's the bluey one and then there's a grey one with blue lettering, but they're in yeah. the club shop in short sleeve and Samba doesn't wear short sleeves. So. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight we found out that Dan's going to enjoy the fun sponge and Lisa finds the powdery blue top sexy. Tune in next week and we'll find out what uh, Holly likes. Um, no, wonderful. So if you've got any more of these uh, queries, I think this should be a regular thing. We'll call it something like um, spicy time or something that has got no real relation to it. Just uh, we want to know your quandaries about football. Like why, 
why well, you know why did this happen or why did that happen or gary jones i saw him score a goal whatever it might be um listen we've uh we've more or less got to the end of where we're meant to be uh <laughs> so uh, it's quite a <laughs> anyone see that as an existential sort of comment there for a minute i was like <laughs> i don't know why that's tickled me so much um but yeah, thank you for Dan and thank you for... <laughs> I sound like I'm speaking to your parents now. Thank you for Lisa. Thank you for Dan. Uh, thank you, Papa Freebs. Thanks, everyone. Um, but yeah, we will be back in two weeks' time um, where we're going to have a load of new things, a load of new sort of whistles and noises and stuff that I promise every week. Um, but I'm going to come to Dan in a second because he's. Uh, I've completely forgotten to do his final bit of his guest of Garibaldi. That's because you know people- you're lost. No, no, I, you know, it's, it's not how it is. I wasn't just going to uh, just sort of like rot here and do that. But sorry, Dan, before we go, can you uh, just give us the end to that wonderful guest of Garibaldi, please? <laughs> so first of all, um, Lisa did send me a message and she is correct. So I'll give the fourth clue. And I got it I will, right. But it didn't, didn't tell me. Like, it could have been anyone. It I said been anyone. Like, still could have been anyone. Um, anyway. The um, I'll give the final clue. So his coaching career began in 2007 at Derby County and he has ended up coaching at Manchester United, predominantly for the academy. In 2011, aged 40, he made an appearance for Manchester United reserves after illness in the squad. Jesus Christ. That's an, I mean, if you didn't get it by the third one, you weren't getting it by the last one. So I don't think, I don't think no. that's anything. But um, yes. So I, I'll, I'll ask Lisa to reveal who she believes it is. And then I've got one final little bit of information on, on who it is. I believe it's Mr. Ferris Wheel, Mr. Alan Fettis. It is indeed goalkeeper Alan Fettis. Uh, so congratulations, Lisa. I think I put you on two. Maybe you've got two of them now. I can't remember. Um, I definitely. Yeah. I like I, this I, game. I, I put the clue in at the beginning about two goals in 135 games. Obviously, as you both worked out, that was kind of a red herring because it was goals for a goalkeeper. But um, if you're into this kind of stuff, which not many people will be, he actually scored them both as an outfield player. So Hull were going through an injury crisis, so they would put Alan Fettis up front and he scored two goals for them while he was playing up front. So they weren't weird keeper goals lobbing from you know a goal kick or anything. They were legitimate goals scored as an outfield player for Hull City. But yep, Alan Fettis is the one. Uh, four games for Forest. I kind of thought he played more, to be honest, but uh, there you go. I, I, um, he's a, he's a, a legend of the 90s. So for those of you who are wondering uh, when next time Dan's on with this, uh, saying that we've had Andy Marriott and bloody Alan Fettis, I'm going for Marco Pascolo next time, just as... Uh, <laughs> Because it seems like you like to go for your random substitute keepers who hardly ever played for Forest, so uh, that'd be a good one. Uh, but no, thank you, Dan. As always, I, I do really enjoy the guest of Garibaldi uh, because I have this really big problem in me that I'm going. I'm trying to think, and especially when it was that period, that was like my real knowledge moment of Forest. But I'm also desperately trying to run the podcast, and it annoys me that I can't think. Whereas Lisa's got no excuse. Uh, thank you so much for joining me both. I say we'll see you guys all in about two weeks' time uh, when Forest will get back on their. Uh, the heady, heady ways to promotion. Um, but yeah, before we go, I just want you to just give me a quick little prediction. It is uh, 20 past, well, 17 minutes past eight in the UK on the 4th of October. Lisa, what position the Forest is going to finish this season? 10th. 10th. Dan, higher or lower? 12th. I'm going for six. There you go. I didn't really think that one through. Anyway, thanks a lot, guys. And, uh, yep, keep being nice to each other and hope you get some fuel and uh, all that kind of business. And uh, we'll see you next time. You Reds. Hey!